Short side of the virtual hardwood, it's the NLSC Podcast, episode number 274. I'm Andrew, with you as always. With me this week is Kenny. Hey Andrew, it's good to be back on. Got a few things, uh, a few fun things to talk about this week, Kenny. Great to have you back on the show. Uh, big week for updates, basically. Yeah, there's been a, quite a few that have gone on across uh, a few games, so yeah, definitely a lot to talk about. And of course, in the NBA side of things, we have the All-Star selections and also the trade deadline, which was, uh, as we'll talk about later on in the show, uh, crazy, really. Yeah, real-life roster updates, so uh, that'll be interesting to talk about as well. If only some teams could edit the ratings of their players, they might, uh, for better performance, <laughs> might want to uh, to do that for You mean time. like uh, make uh, Jabari Parker as good in real life as he is in the basketball video games? Uh, turn up the defensive sliders, the defensive ratings, maybe? That might, might be something that uh, <laughs> needs to do. But, uh, good luck to Washington with that situation, I suppose. But uh, yes, the trade deadline did happen this week. Both games have been right on top of that with the roster updates coming through. I was actually quite surprised, Kenny, with the NBA Live 19 update when it didn't come through as usual. I thought, oh, it's going to come through next week with the new rosters. But the team were right on top of that, and they actually pushed it through right in time for the weekend. Uh, quite impressive. Yeah, very quick turnaround. Uh, I noticed that they've also scanned in a new face for Boban Marjanovic as well, so uh, that's a big plus. Yes, I know uh, MP3 is very happy with uh, Alonzo Trier finally getting a new face, and uh, top of Boban, and of course... Some tattoo updates for LeBron, Anthony Davis, John Wall, some hair updates for Clay Thompson and facial hair as well. So a lot of work has gone into the latest content update and also the title update as well, patch 1.19. They've also done some tuning to the steals and to the player traits. So it is good to see them making those adjustments again this this far into the uh, post-release cycle, I guess, the post-release support. Absolutely, and that's uh, one thing that you can say about NBA Live at the moment is that they are pushing through those updates. You know, whether the game modes are where they need to be or not, uh, they're still, I suppose, making the game relevant. And of course, the usual shoes, court battles players, latest transactions naturally from the uh, trade deadline and new one-store items. That's usually what we've come to expect from most content and uh, title updates for NBA Live 19. But they pushed through some, or released rather, some extra details about the patch, which I hadn't noticed when I fired up the game yesterday. But they've not only added all of that, they've also added the City Edition courts to play now franchise and the league. Uh, they are selected by selecting the City Edition uh, uniforms for the home team. It'll bring up the City Edition courts as well. And the really big thing, I think, in this update, right up there with adding the roster editing last year, Kenny, uh, in-game injuries are now in the game. That's huge. That's something that... Honestly, he's been missing from NBA Live since probably NBA Live 10. Like, injuries were so rare in that game. Well, yeah, they, I'm saying they, that they actually yeah. had injuries, but yeah, in-game injuries, like as far as games that you actually play, I don't think I saw one. So, um, yeah, yeah they, it's something, they weren't it's a very 10. big update. They weren't in NBA Live 10, the injuries. And I'm trying to remember the last time they were actually in, because I feel like they were missing the entire last generation. Because I know they were in the PS2 and the PC ports of the PS2 games, uh, in-game injuries, and there was a slider for them as well. But I've got a feeling it was missing from that entire generation. And I remember being excited by the NBA Live 10 demo back in the day, because I saw players hobbling and they were acknowledging it on commentary. And I thought, oh yes, they brought injuries into the game finally. But then they didn't, and they didn't ever enable them post-launch. So... This is the first time, I think, in over a decade that we actually have in-game injuries in live. So, it, it, yeah, it's huge indeed. 
the last game I remember in-game injuries was probably NBA Live 06 on PC. Mm. Like, that's the last one I played that I noticed injuries yep. because I remember the animations and it it added, like, a whole new wrinkle to the whole Dynasty um, experience. So that, I think that's probably why NBA Live 06 was one of the most memorable games for me. Oh, absolutely. My first year of my memorable Live 06 Dynasty with the Bulls, Ben Gordon missed 20 games with a with a broken wrist and that forced me to make some moves and shuffle my lineup around and really try to replace his scoring because he'd been established as a top scorer for me so it, it really does add that extra dimension to uh, to the career modes and the franchise modes because it, if you don't deal with that it's that is something that the real nba teams have to deal with it's a challenge and a setback and part of the game so i'm glad that it is to, to use ea sports slogan uh, in the game again Absolutely, and it's a great way to give uh, the players on the end of your bench a bit of a pl- um, bit of game time as well. So, uh, I'm definitely for it. It's one of those things I've always liked about the franchise experience. One of those geeky things I've always liked is changing the lineups and, and not having to play with the exact same line, the exact same starting lineup, or even the same rotations every single game because you do have to make those adjustments. It's again part of not just part of the challenge, but part of the fun too. Yeah, it's definitely something I enjoy as well. Um, something that I've enjoyed across like the last few my league experiences I've had in 2K. So it's definitely great to see that NBA Live is trying to catch up in that sense. And focusing on something that's to do with the NBA, because we've talked about this a lot before, that focus on the streets, for example, and the Streets World Tour and court battles and all that kind of stuff, which are great hooks, and we definitely think they should be part of the game. But we've always talk- we've often talked about, I should say, the NBA side of things being neglected in recent years and to see them focusing on something that is very sim oriented and NBA oriented. Uh, I'm, yeah, I feel encouraged and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it just feels like more steps in the right direction and for it to happen post launch is, is a very pleasant surprise. It is definitely a step in the right direction, but at the same time, I'm kind of, uh, I'm cautious about my optimism as far as the next game is concerned because, um, Roster editing was a big addition to NBA Live 18, and I, in, I think in many aspects, NBA Live 19 has felt like a bit of a step back. So I'm uh, being very measured, I suppose, in my optimism for NBA Live 20. Certainly, you hope that they build on it, because we have seen this. We've seen even in 2K, uh, the zigzag cheese in 2K, for example, has been patched out pretty much every year, and then the next year it comes back in. So there's no guarantees yeah. that anything that gets fixed year to year is going to remain, unfortunately. You would think so, but it hasn't been the case. Uh, the other thing, I brought up NBA Live 10, of course. Uh, do you remember that out of the box, th- you couldn't miss dunks? There were no rim stuffs, and they actually enabled that in a patch, one of the first patches? Uh, it wasn't something I really noticed, but now I think about it, I did get a lot more dunks blocked post-patch, so uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, uh, pa- they patched that in, and they also patched being able to be stuffed by the rim to, to blow a dunk as well. That wasn't available in launch. Yeah. So the fact that they've got injuries now does suggest to me that they've that injuries have been in the mechanics since launch at least, but now they've actually, I guess, patched it in, unlocked it, much the same way. I mean, that's my guess as from a technical standpoint. Maybe it was something they need to, they need to perfect behind the scenes with frequencies and whatnot, because that is the other thing they need is now an injury frequency slider as well. Absolutely. Uh, I know that in my league, I'm always kind of tweaking the injury frequency and severity sliders because... I think, you know, maybe five points either way can kind of really affect the injuries in the game. So 
yeah, it's something that I'm always like trying to tune. So that's definitely something that they need. It's funny because I, I remember talking to Leftos about it. Shout out to Leftos, of course, about my league. And he not- noted about the injury slider and said that they've done extensive research on the number of injuries per year. And they've actually halved it in 2K because it often feels very high in 2K, but it's actually halved compared to the real NBA, whether the severity is on is the same and whether they've had to tweak that maybe another uh, matter altogether. But yeah, they, they actually halved the number of injuries to try and make it it's more realistic in the game, even though it's actually less realistic compared to real life. It's it's one of those things where reality is unrealistic, I guess, to, to use some TV tropes parlance. <laughs> I suppose when you look at it, there's probably a lot of day-to-day injuries and players that are just hurt rather than out of the game. So maybe that's something that I felt maybe they needed to address because there's probably a lot of out injuries in 2K which kind of inflated the numbers, I suppose. Agreed. I think that is it. It's the severity that perhaps needs to be tweaked. And and like you say, a a few notches either way can be such a big difference to the experience and how much you enjoy it. So that's some really good news for NBA Live 19. And yeah, all all I can say is that I hope that we do continue on this uh, positive path that we are looking at deeper modes and a deeper experience. Uh, Getting the injuries in there, obviously so big. Uh, even getting the City Edition courts, I think, is a big thing because that's something the 2K has had and it's it's going above and beyond just adding some basic content and being able to, to reflect the real NBA. And again, it's NBA-oriented content. So like you, I'd like to remain cautiously optimistic, but optimistic all the same. It is definitely good to see the extra courts in the game and I think it kind of adds more authenticity as well because uh, I suppose... When you stay with the same court the whole time, there's no real uh, there's no real surprises, I suppose, in the presentation. So it gets a bit just boring. adding those little things. Yeah, adding those little things every now and then just kind of um, spices up the game a little bit, I suppose. Well, I know you and I have both done it in our dynasty games and franchise games, in my league over the years, is to occasionally have the retro month or just play with different jerseys. Just changing the look, it's a way to get through the season and make it a little bit more refreshed, refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that I always enjoyed doing because I think it's kind of a great way to delve into the history of the game as well because you see that, oh, that's what they looked like in the 70s and you can kind of bring it to like a more modern setting. So I think that's a lot of fun. And obviously a big thing is the throwback nights these days in the real NBA and wearing all these different jerseys, the City Edition and the Earned Edition and everything else they've got now with the new nomenclature. So no, absolutely. Hats off to EA and for getting that out so quickly after the trade deadline. Uh, yeah, hopefully onwards and upwards. So going back to last week, uh, Ben and I talked about the NBA 2K19 patch 108. Uh, ben is still uh, on an extended uh, vacation, I guess. He's missing his PS4, but Kenny, you and I are spending time with our, uh, our beloved PS4s, I suppose. Uh, been playing some NBA 2K19, thought we'd uh, revisit that and how it's uh, shaping up after patch 1.08. And one thing I do have to say is that the whole uh, attempt to reduce the body steals, especially with the feet and legs, does seem to be fewer of those steals, I've noticed. Yeah, there seems to be, I suppose, I haven't really noticed as far as like, uh, I noticed that you're not getting as many turnovers um, at the point guard position, which is uh, very yeah, that's a very nice change. Like, I'm not yeah. not like accusing you of anything. Just oh, like, no, no. It seems... Yeah. It seems like the last time we played, they were kind of blitzing you like we were playing football and not basketball. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, that was kind of like my impression. So if you're in between like a rock and a hard place trying to play point guard when you couldn't make a pass, you couldn't dribble it down the court. So it's uh, that's right. They're, it's they're, definitely a much needed change. They're just yeah, like you say, blitzing you, just rushing, running in, and getting those uh, body steals. It was very frustrating. But even in in offline as well, and playing in my career and and the other modes, haven't seen as many of them. And I'll admit that it's a shame that I haven't been able to pad my steal numbers with a few of them. But at the same time, it feels more legit now. Which is, I'd rather be getting steals from playing the passing lanes and poking it at the right time and being able to swat it loose and swipe it loose rather than getting so many body seals. It feels uh, very cheap. feels like you're gaming the system rather than actually uh, playing virtual basketball. Exactly. And I think the closer, the closer the experience can be to the real-life basketball game, then the better it can be. I mean, that's, that's what we want. I mean, we've certainly seen people on Twitter who uh, would like less realism, which makes me feel my age, Kenny, when I, when I see people saying that the games are too realistic now i'm thinking we campaigned for years to get this kind of realism and now we're just trying to be people trying to rip it away with us, rip it away from us so what what are you talking about here what are you doing it is kind of bizarre particularly since that you particularly since that you can actually uh adjust the sliders so it can be like more or less realistic so yeah i don't understand that reasoning i've been thinking about this and i want to do a monday tip off or some other uh article on it at some point but obviously career modes have become very prominent these days and the, and the most popular modes do you think it's because it's the most like a video game mode you know you're just you're just controlling your player the player character everything else is kind of happening around you and but it's all really centered on your character it's the most game-like which i suppose these days and i hate to get into the whole hardcore fans and casual fans uh, snobbery but certainly there are more casual fans playing sports games these days, which is fine. You know, the more people enjoying the game, the better. Have, have fun with it. But I think a mode like Career or the online connected experiences, they're more video game-like. And I think that contributes to their popularity. Am I on the right track, do you think? Um, I suppose so. My, my theory is that I think a lot of people don't necessarily want realism in my career because they're looking for ways to circumvent having to buy VC. So if you can kind of be dominant in my career, get all your stats and, you know, I suppose earn more VC that way, then you don't have to necessarily fork out for it and kind of boost your player that way. So I think in a sense, the online competitive aspect of the game has kind of made the made the demand, I suppose, more for a less realistic game, if that makes sense. I think so, and the, the online competitive nature of it, it is more about gaming each other and competitiveness rather than realism, I suppose. So that's where the focus yeah. is shifting. But that is unfortunate for those of us who also like the traditional experience and the whole idea of it being as realistic as possible because these today's games are more capable of being real, as realistic as they've ever been, basically. You go back and you play a game like, again, I love Live 95, love Live 06 to pick out a couple of my highlights in the series. Live uh, 2000, fantastic game as well. The pinnacle of the original development team, actually. But they kind of play realistically as much as you can try and force them to. But the AI is just not there yet. But the last few years and certainly the last couple of generations, what they've been able to do with realism has just really been off the charts. So seeing uh, requests for them to make it less realistic, I think... Well, we need to balance that somehow. We need to offer that experience that is both, because today's games are capable of being both. 
I wonder if that part of that is for nostalgia or whether people are just trying to game the system because I think, um, you know, somebody like you or I have a lot of really fond memories of Live 06 and maybe people just want the games to be like that or, you know, it could be the other way that I suggested before that they're trying to game the system and, you know, just trying to get as much VC as possible. It could be a bit of everything because there certainly are people that say they do prefer that simplified experience where it's sim-like and certainly was realistic for 2005, 2006, but by current standards, not as sim as we've seen games become. And I think people do like that simplified experience, which is fine. You know, I, I still like dusting off those games, but the more the, the more time passes between them and when I go back to them, I do realize, okay, this hasn't necessarily, this part hasn't actually aged very well, you know, necessarily, uh, as much as it is a great game. And you've got to put it in the context of the time, of course. I mean, you can't expect Live 95 to play like 2K11, for example. Um, yeah. Although it does have uh, more of the players of the era, I suppose, <laughs> because <laughs> easier to license back then since they're all current players. But I, I think nostalgia does play a role in it too. It's, it's kind of interesting the way that goes. But, uh, but certainly whether you're playing offline for sim purposes or competitive online, Fixing up those body steals is it was imperative. Uh, getting the zigzag cheese out of there again would be, really be important. Um, and it's one of those, another one of those things you know we touched on in the live nineteen patch is that yes they've fixed it now for two K nineteen, but is it going to be still the same for two K twenty, or are we going to have to wait for yet another patch? Because we have seen legacy issues uh, remain, and we've also seen legacy issues addressed, but then sneak back into the games again. I think a big part of it is they're kind of trying to placate several parts of their market so Agreed. if one if one part of their market is complaining about i don't know not being able to make three point shots as easily they'll have to tune it like so that they can make three pointers more easily or you know I, i've seen a common complaint being that uh post players can push each other out of the way way too easily so maybe that's something that they need to tune or you know conversely somebody might think oh you know I'm getting fouls called on me too easily just because I'm nudging someone out of the way. They need to fix that. So then they fix it the other way. Uh, essentially, they can't win. So I think at the end of the day, they kind of uh, they need to use their own judgment because even if a certain section of your market is complaining about the game for a certain reason, it might be because they're just not playing the game properly. Well, you do need that consistency in the experience, Absolutely. And I talked about this in the most recent Monday tip-off was released uh, this past week. Uh, the whole competition between online and offline gamers and the divide between them, that if you try to placate, as you say, one part of the audience, the others can end up feeling very uh, disappointed in the results because if you focus too much online, then the offline starts to feel very unrealistic. If you focus too much on the offline uh, mechanics, sometimes online can start to feel cumbersome. So it, it is a situation where... EA and 2K really need to find a way to to strike that balance and it's it's a hard job obviously it's easier said than done but I like what you said the, the idea that at at some point they do need to just focus on the experience they want to provide what the loud I suppose well the loudest voices in the community sometimes aren't, aren't the ones to listen to sometimes but have that vision <laughs> have that vision for what they want for the games and put it out there and adjust it as well as possible and like you say try and filter out who's playing the game who's giving the quality feedback and who's just complaining because they want to they want to dominate the game so anything that's uh challenging but should be challenging they want to get rid of and definitely that's feedback you don't listen to because that's what i think has uh 
changed some games for the for the worse with some of the tuning updates in recent years. Absolutely, and I think the past few years they've been looking to create like a skill gap between the people who want to play more casually and those who want to like I suppose try out for the 2K league. So mm. I don't understand why they have made so many like patches to kind of placate the people who want the game to be easier like in a sense that you know oh, i want to make more three-point shots or you know that kind of thing because at the end of the day if you make the game fair the really good players should be able to hit their three-point shots because of shot selection not because uh they've done a zigzag move and then they've lost their opponent that way so yeah the, the whole meta i game. suppose What's that? The, the whole meta gaming with zigzag cheese or learning your animations and knowing exactly when the timing is that you don't necessarily have to play basketball so much as uh, play mechanics and play them. Yeah. Meta game the yeah. mechanics to brute force uh, dominance, I suppose. Absolutely, and I think that two K should always have the the game of basketball in mind and not necessarily like certain sections of the market. Like they should always make their game that best represents like the real life game do you think this is the the price of success for 2k that they have brought in a lot more and again it's hard to say without sounding snobby casual fans and casual basketball gamers those who aren't necessarily interested in the whole sim style and as much realism but they do want to just kick ass on the court and they do want to break angles every time and hit threes from 30 feet with effortlessly and all that kind of stuff Um, obviously back in the day because 2k has i think really gone above and beyond in having some really realistic games especially around the 2k11 to 2k14 uh, era on the last generation they were doing some amazing things with the games and that's what really as well as ea's fall of course with lives uh, faltering pushed 2k into greater heights but as they've become really popular and they've become this popular brand and this mainstream brand that everybody plays eight million copies a year sold i put up eight or nine million copies a year sold it's you are attracting people who are, aren't necessarily the hardcore of the hardcore sim fans so now you actually even if 2k wants to there's people i'm sure on the team obviously desire is on there loves this play calling og as well you know they're all into this whole sim uh situation the sim style desire the president of sim nation for crying out loud but they have to cater to that wide audience now it's are they kind of suffering from their own success I think, yeah, the game definitely does suffer from its own success at times. And as you said, the wider the audience, I suppose the, uh, how do I put this? I think it's, I think when anybody gets like a larger audience, they feel obligated to kind of uh, do more fan service than necessarily go into the direction that they believe Mm. is the best direction. So I think there is a, a lot of fan service going on with 2k at the moment probably because yeah as you said it's a one of the biggest sports games in the world now so and it's um, such a mainstream it's brand of, it's it's beyond yeah just beyond, beyond this basketball sim it is obviously the brand they've got 2k tv they've got the an esports league i know they're not calling it esports the nba 2k league uh, all the involvement with the nba and everything yeah i think um it's one of those things where i suppose in the at the end of the day they'll always put profitability ahead mm. of pretty much everything so if if a large section of your audience kind of wants the game to be less realistic maybe that's just the direction they go because they figure hey that's where we make our money 
well, we're, we're just a couple of bitter old heads, aren't we? I mean, that's 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 that true. <laughs> that's, that's what social media tells us. And look, it is hard to say that without saying snobby. It's kind of like the whole uh, indie band who makes a big when everybody turns on them because they're no longer obscure and cool and they're trying to appease the mainstream and everything. So it's hard to not sound like that. But it, it is just funny how a game that has been renowned for its amazing realism sometimes does go off in these other tangents and it's trying to please everybody. And it's like the old... Uh, the, the fable of the the farmer, the son, and the uh, the donkey that they're trying to sell, and everybody's giving them different advice as they try to take it to town to sell it. Uh, if you try to please everybody, you please nobody. Or I think 2K is pleasing a lot of people, but it certainly is hard to please everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're always going to have their detractors no matter which direction they go in. So uh, as long as they're making enough sales, I suppose, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. I think 2K sales, I mean, certainly what they did with 2K18 didn't hurt them. I think they're in pretty good shape. The bubble hasn't burst on mm. microtransactions, uh, but hopefully hopefully they do have some goodwill moving forward, and that's something we stressed in our wish lists. Last call for wish lists, by the way, NBA Live 20 and NBA 2K20. They are in the Live 19 and Live, uh, 2- sorry, 2K19 sections, respectively. Too early to create the sections for the this year's games just yet. Get it in as soon as possible because we will be submitting it this week. I did want to extend it a week to get some extra info in. Thank you to everyone who has posted ideas so far. Hopefully we can represent the community's uh, needs because, as we've said before, Kenny, not everything is in the wish list is guaranteed to make it in. In fact, there's a lot of things that I guess uh, will be have to wait for the future or maybe never happen. But if we don't speak up, uh, well, we've only got ourselves to blame for not uh, not speaking our minds. Yeah, and if you can, if you speak up now you might be able to get your idea in the pipeline at some point. So it's definitely worthwhile. Well, certainly all the feedback on Reddit has helped 2K patches and live patches. A lot of the, going back to the Live 19 patch that just came out, a lot of that was attributed to and credited to people on Reddit giving feedback. So it's definitely worth uh, speaking up, speaking your mind. One last patch to cover this week. This is the NBA 2K Playgrounds 2 patch, version 1.05. This is basically the all-star update, Kenny. It's added the... All-Star Court from 2019, 2019 All-Star Court in Charlotte. Uh, it's also added a Valentine's Day court, so if you feel like playing with your beloved on, on the playground, you can do that. Um, if you if you really um, not value your relationship and you haven't planned anything more romantic, you can get on NBA 2K Playgrounds 2 and play in the Valentine's Day court. Um, it's funny to see some of the reactions to that on uh, on Twitter, you can see who the bitter single people are, Kenny. Just going to say that right now. Um, with the, <laughs> Um, why, why are we doing this it's a fake holiday yeah but you know it's an update for a video game chill um, anyway the all-star update is probably the more exciting things for for most people because it's added the the court it's added the jerseys although the jerseys can actually have to be bought through the swag packs fantastic so that that is the premium content the the golden bucks in 2k playgrounds 2 so that's where that comes into effect but all the playgrounds have been added free uh, also, the 70 new players, including various uh, second appearances of players on other teams that they played for. New players, including Patrick Ewing, is in the game now as well. So they continue to add players throughout the years, uh, the year as they said they would. 70 of them. The All-Star jerseys. Uh, they've also added daily challenges, Kenny, so you can log in each day and do different challenges. So I think that's an idea they've taken from 2K there. So I do, I do th- I think that's a good idea. Yeah, it's definitely a good idea. Something that I honestly had no idea about. I haven't played 2K Playgrounds for uh, a few months now. I think last time I played, I I was doing like a season mode with the Celtics, and that was pretty fun. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll go back to it at some point. 
it's one of those games I think you just pick up every so often. It's nice to have as an alternative to, to Live in 2K. Uh, I actually played it. My cousin came down the other week. We had a bit of a throwback hanging out as a uh, <laughs> throwback to our teen years, hanging out and playing some video games as uh, 30-somethings. And we were playing NBA 2K Playgrounds 2, and it was it was quite fun. I think it's actually more fun with another person. I think even if you're playing with somebody else against the CPU, just it's better than just controlling both players. Yeah, I could imagine that. And I think... A lot of those kind of games in the past were uh, a lot more fun when when two people were involved. So um, yeah, I think I think that's my main thing with um, NBA 2K Playgrounds too. God, that's such a bloody yeah. tongue twister of a title. But um, yeah, I imagine it being better with like a second person because you're not necessarily taking the game all that seriously and you can just kind of have fun with it. And I think that's pretty much what it's made for. And that's the social aspect of the arcade games as well. I mean, certainly back in the day, playing in public, playing with somebody else right next to you or the home version, playing it with somebody else on the couch or next to you in front of the computer. So we definitely had some fun throwing it back to our teenage years with that. And it's 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 a very solid arcade game. I still rank it behind pretty much every NBA Jam release uh, from Midway or EA. But it, it is very solid as, as an arcade basketball experience. Uh, they've also uh, changed some stability fixes, fixed issues with online disconnections. They've added a, an unranked championship mode, new way to level characters to diamond with a new item. And of course, the, the challenges. Uh, it's, it's continued to receive some some updates. I actually, when, when my cousin was coming down, I actually paid for the DLC to unlock everybody. Um, I Because I hadn't played it for so long, I thought, oh, we, we actually want to play with some of the... Uh, characters so some of some of the players you know <laughs> i don't want to have to go through and unlock them all first so wasn't happy about it i paid the 15 bucks australian to to unlock everybody but it finally meant that we were able to play uh, an arcade basketball game with uh, our all-time favorite players michael jordan and sean kemp on the same team so that was pretty cool yeah that sounds like fun um something i don't know i i'd consider paying 15 bucks for all those players so yeah i'm but the thing, yeah, I guess I don't play the game enough. So, if if I hadn't, yeah. if, if my if my cousin hadn't come down and I wasn't planning on hanging out with him and playing some games, I probably would have just kept grinding up them up normally. But fifteen bucks to do it, and when it comes down to it, that's about retail price for the base game plus that DLC, really. So, yeah, um, I, and I mean, I was going to say like you'd spend fifteen dollars easily on like a night out, like few beers and whatnot. So, oh yeah, spending it yeah. on like extra game content isn't that bad really and that's the thing it's it's not really pay to win i i didn't pay anything to upgrade my player in 2k this year so i've had the that was money saved not spending on microtransactions there so i I was happy enough to do that and and certainly it was a a fun night hanging out with my uh, cousin who i grew up with and you know both of us being big basketball fans and gamers definitely a lot of fun to do that i actually noticed on steam that the first playgrounds is no longer available it's been removed from the Steam store, and it's that's only a year really? old. Really? Yeah, well, I guess that's two surprising. Years. Yeah, I suppose because it's not under the two K banner now, and it's and now that that uh, Saber is working with two K, maybe they had to remove it for legal reasons. I'm not sure, but kind of a shame. So if you if you do want to have that full uh, experience, if you want to have the full series and you haven't already got it, I, I did actually get it on PC and PS4. Uh, but yeah, it's been removed from Steam, and it yeah, kind of unfortunate. That is pretty unfortunate, but maybe they're treating it like the 2K series in that they removed the 2K games when they kind of get a bit old, like when they're a few games ago. So 
I don't know, maybe they're just treating it like that. I'd say so, and it's, I guess, understandable, and certainly there are probably probably players that they haven't uh, got the license for anymore because they haven't joined the retired union yet, and yet they, and they're not current either. Something like that may be the case, but it's it just goes to show that as much as digital is the way of the future, there, there are problems with the whole over-the-top service, and it, one of the main things is that content can be removed. Yeah, that's definitely a drawback, and... I suppose, uh, an advantage of having the hard copy of the game. That's actually why I want to track down a hard copy of Live 19, uh, just to have that in my collection as well, because I've got all the other ones, hard copies of, of those, physical copies of those. And there's, there's something nice about having a physical collectible as well that's something to sit on the shelf or, or be in the drawer. So that's about it for this week's news, but we still have a few basketball gaming topics to talk about in our week in basketball gaming. alley Oh, what a play! It looks simple. But it's hard to execute. Already mentioned a few things that we've been playing over the past couple of weeks. Uh, Mike Rear, we've both been getting back into, I guess. We're both in our second seasons now, I believe, the two of us. Yeah, I think I've played about somewhere between 10 and 15 games of my second season. I think about five games in, so you're still way ahead of me at this time. Uh, I actually had to replay game four of the finals. I swept the Warriors back to replay it, so I got hit with the same as you. I... As I said a few weeks back, I went on a bit of a spray on Twitter and in the forum when that happened. It's, <laughs> and I've seen other people say it's not just the Warriors or the teams that we were using. It's, it seems to be happening to everyone, and that's a, a pretty big bug to still be in the game. It is a big, big bug, but um, I will at least say that at least it was a game four for you. For me, it was a game seven, so yeah. <laughs> uh, that bug cost me the championship. <laughs> and But you still got the championship DNA, did you not? The, the, the badge? Did, did that still level up for you, or...? Yeah, I, I did get the championship DNA badge. So, yeah, I, I don't know what happened. Uh, maybe they registered the win with the server, but maybe just not with the file. So, yeah, I, I have no idea. That's strange. I, I did get that badge. The last one I have to get is I think I need about 400 or so uh, to progress and get the, the clutch badge, and that'll actually, I should be able to get the trophy then, all, all the badges maxed out. So, I, I feel like I've been putting in the hard grind this year. Yeah, I have been too because uh, I've got two more badges that need to get to Hall of Fame. Ooh. So I think I think there's like six or eight badges that I can get there. Like for some reason, my archetype has a whole heap of badges that can go all the way to Hall of Fame. Um, still can't make a layup to save my life online. But um, yeah, I think the one I've been grinding the most has been the charge card because I don't draw charges in game so mm. i have to actually go into the practice sessions and uh get it that way and the chase down artist one is pretty difficult as well because uh my player is really slow and can't chase anybody down to save his life so uh yeah i i i'm really lucky if i get one of those types of blocks in game usually i have to be in front of the other player although you do get some of them in oh when we play online you had a pretty good one the other night yeah, I mean, if my teammates can slow them down, I can kind of get them pretty easily. But that's the thing. Like, like when you play on the Atlanta Hawks, that's not always the case. So, um, yeah, uh, not the best defensive team. Trey Young not uh, Trey Young's letting you down in that regard. It was funny because I wanted Trey Young to throw me up a lob. But he threw he threw me a regular pass, so I threw a lob to myself and did like a self alley oop dunk, and sure enough, it registered as alley oop finisher. <laughs> so 
um, I'm able to grind the badge from doing self alley-oops, which is kind of, yeah, it's good to know. It's it's funny. I've actually been able to get the Lob City Passer badge by throwing myself accidentally an alley-oop to myself in the practice gym, which was really weird <laughs> when it happened. But yeah, isn't it like 90,000 you've got to grind? 90,000 points, XP points to get to, or my points, I should say, to get to the Hall of Fame badge, something ridiculous like that? Yeah, so it's like 700 points if you get the gold uh if you do the if you do the drill like almost perfectly like at the highest level so 700 times 5 is oh god i'm really testing my brain like somewhere over 3000 it's like 3500 i think yeah 3500 go with that so that's the most amount of points you can grind up every session so um that's what uh 20 sessions i'd have to do just to get to that next level which, no which, which means 30. which means that many games played because you only have that session once a session between games uh yeah well, well actually you get it online you can do it if you play online you get a drill if you play a park game you get one drill back if you play a pro-am game you get the four drills back i've noticed okay all right but that's, um, that's still a lot of grinding. Yeah. <laughs> i i tried because I didn't want to play another my career game, so last night I I played like a walk on pro am game, uh, kind of just by myself, and oh my god, that was a nightmare. But I managed to get back my uh, team practice. So yeah, that's I've done that a few times before when when you guys have not been into it, which is understandable. Uh, we did have a session on Friday night, which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment. But yeah, sometimes playing with randoms, it's it's not all it's cracked up to be, or it is what it's cracked up to be. It's exactly what we expect it to be, actually, when we play with yeah. randoms. So the game I played with randoms, we our entire second quarter, we were bageled. So we didn't score an entire, like, a single point in the second quarter. That's how bad it was. We went to halftime with nine points on the board. Man, that's brutal. Yeah, that's. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think we've even had that in some of our worst... Uh, walk on or as, as a nlsc squad or, or when we've done walk on i don't think we've ever gone that bad at least leo's been able to hit a mid-range shot or something to get us two or four points in a quarter <laughs> yeah well it ended up just being me and a power forward who, who was a stretch big and he was always trying to throw like these lobs to me but i i was always mistiming them because i was wasn't expecting them and i'd get to the hoop and i th- thought i'd have like a pretty easy layup but it wouldn't go in so there's a bunch of like that stuff going on pretty much when i you know when i was trying to score a point in the second quarter while the other team they were hitting threes so uh yeah that game was not competitive at all i mean when the opponent is raining threes and you're not even making twos it's uh you know how that's going to go basically that's that those games ever go uh throwing it back to my career for a moment have you noticed any weird signings in your your career because i so far the bulls who i'm playing for got gortat to be the new starting center but what really threw me so far having played a few games is uh, demarcus cousins has apparently decided to go to the paces so that will be an interesting harbinger of the future maybe <laughs> who knows not sure yeah uh he went to the paces in mine as well so maybe there's something in that so paces fans you know shout out to uh, the live king you know if you like cousins maybe he's coming to uh, indiana so that <laughs> But um, I also noticed that Ray John Rondo is back with the Bulls. So, Lovely. Um, <laughs> Le- yeah. Leo will be I very mean, pleased. Fellow will be very pleased. You guys get a point guard again. 
<laughs> he's at least an upgrade over Cameron Payne. Oh yes, good old Cameron Payne. I got well, I got him a ring. It, he didn't do much in the <laughs> in our championship run in 2019, but nevertheless, he is. Uh, I've got that screenshot up there in our group. <laughs> NBA champion Cameron Payne. <laughs> I um, I also noticed that Boban Marjanovic is also playing for the Philadelphia 76ers, so maybe Demarcus Cousins is going to Indiana. 2K has predicted, you know, a few things. They they predicted the end of the Undertaker's winning streak. WWE 2K had the beat the streak mode, and then the next year at WrestleMania, he did in fact lose to Brock Lesnar. That was the story they went with. Predicted a WWE angle. Uh, they predicted. Remember the fantastic journey of uh, LeBron path to greatness in 2K14? Did you see that? I didn't pick up 2K14, but I am aware of like that game mode. Kind of. So, so in Path to Greatness, they had the fantastic journey where he leaves in 2014 to to basically go and and play you know elsewhere and go on this journey around the league. Ends up playing for the Knicks. It goes back to the Cavs. So they've actually kind of picked the fact that he would go to other that he would leave the Heat in 2014 and go places, including returning to Cleveland. So I, I don't know what they what's in the water over there at 2K, but I think they've got some seers at some some way. They've actually predicted things. So. <laughs> Uh, cousins to the Pacers, book it. You know that's clearly what's going to happen. Yep, you heard it here first. Well, or as the case may be, in two K first. <laughs> we're just relaying the information. Yeah, well, we'll take we'll take credit all the same. We're we're point, we're the ones pointing out the uh, the the patterns here, so we'll take credit. Uh, as I said, we we did play on Friday night. We hadn't had a session for a while. We a few of us jumped on, and uh, you surprised us by showing up in the playground. It was kind of like you just want to. You know, you're out there playing, and then another friend comes along, and they, oh, hey, you can join in with us as well. <laughs> that guy looks like Kenny. That is Kenny. So that was kind of funny. Yeah, I um, so I think I watched about half of the first game you guys played, or maybe even the second one, because I noticed that you guys held the court. Yep. So I was kind of hanging, hanging out around, like on the outside on my bike, and then I noticed that you went to play another game and. I went to the Got Next lineup, and then when you guys hopped off the court after getting bitten, I was like, oh, I'll just wait out here for them and see what happens. Yeah, definitely <laughs> Sure funny. enough, yeah. Just yeah, it, was, uh, it was kind of amusing. Definitely funny to see you show up. Uh, we, we actually beat an elite team. There was, the players had about 1,200 wins each on the, the three of them, and we, we, we walked straight on and beat them. And uh, X hasn't changed the... Uh, the squad clothes yet so we're still even though we've got the different clothes when you walk on as the squad you're just back in the the gray sweats and the brown shirts so we we walk <laughs> we walk on there with our terrible playground records and against these elite level players who won over 1200 games apiece and we beat them and they came straight around for revenge they they weren't happy to sit with that but we beat them a couple of times uh then lost that uh a game which is the last one that you watched and yeah then we went to walk on and uh, well, we had, we had the one win, didn't we, in walk-on? We had the one win, and we had one that was very close. But um, I think because what happened was for the last play, I accidentally passed it to the AI player when I pressed R1. And I think what happened was I may have double-tapped R1, which leads to – I don't know what kind of pass that is, but I think it's like one of those kind of random – pass it to the closest person or you know oh, right, closest yeah. to the hoop or something like that so i think that's what happened in the last play um because i was just like i i pressed like the icon to see where everybody's icons were that's yeah. what i do on pretty much every inbounds play so um yeah then it just kind of failed on me unfortunately but uh, yes the 
random that we had dropped out of the game so it was a cpu play we were playing with and he couldn't hit a shot i could not hit a shot i was zero of seven in that game i was just a shocking one i had wasn't really turning it over and i was getting some assists but i just couldn't buy a basket and those especially in that last minute i had some good looks and just couldn't knock it down in that particular one and uh, lost that 44 42 that that was a bit of a heartbreak to win the night on unfortunately especially after that first game which was pretty good mm. and i don't i think one of my highlights for the night was um i think i got the offensive rebound and i just kind of pegged the ball at the hoop like that was like one of my fa- favorite plays of the night <laughs> Because this just the reaction that I got from like I think you in particular you were just like laughing because like I was just like pegged the ball yeah, down it's just, it's like with like a tennis ball just pegged it at the backboard and in it goes so it was it's the, the real Joakim Noah shooting touch that you had on that particular one just throw it as hard as you can at the rim and if it goes in that's good you were cleaning up on the boards as always the other one I liked is you had that big swat that went off the side of the board yeah yeah I. I'm trying to remember that. Was that in game two or one? Um, yeah, I, I forget which one it was. I didn't save us any highlights last night, which is a shame because we did have some good ones. Yeah, we had a few. Uh, I think uh, I think I, it may, may be like in one of the videos that I captured. So, yeah, I'll have a look through. I also captured a video of that absolute farce of us like just running around the court into referees before the game. So Actually, I do have that as well. I got one of those. Um, yeah, we, we the last game of the night we loaded into it, and then somebody dropped out. Was it he dropped out before the game? I think um, that may have happened. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it basically just resulted in us running around the court for about five to ten minutes, and then surprisingly, the game started. So um, yeah, we thought yeah, we had, that, that was thought we'd have to quit. Thought it was basically stuffed for the night, and then yeah, so, suddenly the game started. Like, okay, well, I guess we're playing, and yeah, then it turned into a bit of a rough one. Uh, I think my favorite plays were uh, that half-court alley-oop to, uh, to Valor for the layup when I got him. Yeah, yeah that court. was really good. Actually, because I got the gold lob city pass of Vag now, so I'm actually starting to make some pretty decent lobs, especially when it got someone who can catch them, um, which is lot, not Laurie Markinen, by the way, in case anyone's wondering, playing for the <laughs> Bulls. Oh, it was a, a complete farce. Usually in the drills, I've had Jabari Parker to catch the alley-oops yep. with when I've been grinding that. For one, se- for one session, they gave me Markinen. And he either didn't catch them at all, despite being you know, pretty much right next to him when I'm just tossing it up at the hoop, or he missed the dunk. I'm like, and I'm not getting points for this, and it's not me, it's you. <laughs> that's that is. I think that's the drawback of the drill. Sometimes you get screwed over by the CPU teammate not doing anything, and you're like, you've done it all right. You know, you've done what you're supposed to do to sharpen your skills, and yet they, the ones who are not finishing, they miss the shot or whatever, and you don't get the points. And you're like, this doesn't seem fair to me, really. Like, you've done your part of the drill. Yeah. Conversely, I've been thrown some awful lobs by Trey Young, so <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely something that happens on both ends. It is actually a lot of fun throwing you lobs online because um, I just see you lumbering down the lane, and I'm like, okay, here it comes, and up you go with your central <laughs> player, and just one of the quick animations, the quick dunk animations, it just triggers and like bang, and yes, yeah. I notice every now and then when I'm when I'm like running through the lane, it goes for a reverse as well. I just love it when like. I get a reverse out of my player because he doesn't have any like dunk animations out at all. So that's like <laughs> the fanciest thing you probably see him do. So yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of a frustrating session at times, but at the same time, it, it was I enjoyed getting on. I always enjoyed getting on, usually and chatting with you guys and, and playing. So yeah, it was good to hit it up again every so often. I think it's it's I think this we're getting to the point where we're not necessarily going to be 
enthused to do it every single week but every so often it's fun to do yeah it is and i think um we have a pretty good mix as far as like our archetypes is concerned so um yeah it's it's definitely a plus having like a point guard a center and then i don't know i guess everybody else because like the the um those are the two most important positions online because uh you know obviously the point guard handles the ball distributes it everywhere you know the one that has the ball most and then if you don't have like a decent center build then you're going to get out rebounded you're going to give up the offensive board so i think uh, we've kind of solved a bit of a problem there but at the same time yeah online's kind of gotten pretty rough as far as like um you know what we experience with like all those body steals and when perimeter defenders get caught on screens and stuff like that. So um, I think we've addressed a lot of the problems, but now it's up to 2K to kind of meet us halfway. Pretty much, because you've still got the zigzag cheese, you're still getting people drawn into the two-man animation. So like you say, getting stuck on the screens around the perimeter, which only exacerbates the zigzag cheese. It is nice to actually have your your abilities on the boards this year, because again, in previous years, when we'd have more, we'd be averaging more assists as a team than rebounds. You're not going to win too many games doing that, unfortunately. So we have addressed that, like you said, but still with some of the issues with the tuning and everything, and and pure sharps. You know what can you do when they show up, and with especially with the new takeover, that's pure sharps online. When they get takeover, it's it's all over basically. I think that pure archetypes just need to be done away with next year. Yeah. Um, this might be like my, uh, you know, this is I suppose my hot take of the podcast, but uh, you know, I think. When you look at players throughout NBA history, there are very few pure archetypes. Like, you look at somebody like John Stockton, yeah, he had the most assists of all time, but you would never call him a pure playmaker because he was also an elite defender as well. Mm. So by calling him a pure playmaker, you're taking away that part of his game. Um, I think, you know, you have your players like Kyle Korver, who you could argue were pure sharpshooters, or are because I suppose he's still playing, but um, but yeah, he was never really a superstar unless you count that like one All Star he made with pretty much his entire starting lineup. <laughs> so much, yeah. um, so I think when you look at the current NBA, the the closest you come to pure archetypes is maybe James Harden is a pure shot creator, and maybe Clay Thompson is a pure sharpshooter. But mm. apart from that, everybody else has got more strings to their bow, like. Even Steph Curry, like, uh, he's an elite playmaker as well. If you listen to some people, he's also an elite defender. So, uh, <laughs> But certainly yeah. a passer, you know, he is that playmaker as well as a great shooter. You know, whether you yeah. want to so call him. I think, yeah. I think you need to, I think they need to get rid of pure um, archetypes because I think it's kind of a misnomer, really. Is it, or if they, whether they get rid of it or will they just tone it down so that they're not, that, not necessarily the, premium archetypes anymore so that they're a bit more one-dimensional because if you are pure then you may be really good in one area but you should be perhaps more one-dimensional in others they do need a a shorter ceiling i think um because yeah i think they do become really overpowered at higher levels and you need to i guess uh disincentivize is that the right word? Something along those lines. You need to make sure that um, people have an incentive to maybe choose a secondary archetype as mm. opposed to choosing two of the same. So I would I would suggest something like 
one offensive archetype and one defensive archetype or um, maybe one archetype to do of shooting, the other one to do of passing. You know, there are many combinations you could do. Yeah. But always make sure that it has to be a com- combination and not just two of the same. Like more, more a case of like a primary school and a secondary school, perhaps. Yeah. More, more, so, yeah, than, exactly. more, more so than an archetype that you would have a, a two, two main strengths that you would, it would kind of act similar to an archetype but then you wouldn't have the, the pure archetype that you couldn't say, okay, I'm just going to double up on shooting or whatever. Because obviously that's made sharps in particular just ridiculous. Again, and with the new takeover mechanic as well, when they activate that, uh, and if they've got the microwave badge to heat up even quicker, it's, again, it's, it's all over when they do that. What can you do? Even if you have a defensive archetype, they just, it's, it's game-breaking. Yeah, and I mean, even somebody like a Clay Thompson, who you could argue is a pure sharpshooter because a lot of his big scoring games haven't been from many dribbles. So I think even with him, a lot of analysts have argued that he's actually a pretty decent defender as well. So he's not even a pure sharpshooter in that case. Mm. And, and with this in mind, this is a topic I touched on in, in my solo podcast a few weeks back, and I wanted to, to bring it up the next time that you were on the show because you, know, you were part of that really rough uh, session we had that made us quit for a few weeks and, and not play online. Uh, has 2K, what, with what they've done with the balance, um, some of the things they need to do with balance and letting the cheese back in, and certainly with the whole idea of not having the minimum of three, now you actually have to have the five, have they ruined or they, are they kind of ruining Pro-Am, especially, or at the very least a team Pro-Am? They've definitely gone a long way to ruining the team aspect of Pro-Am. Now, I think, as weird as it sounds, the walk-on is actually better than it's ever been somehow. Like, yep. it's actually the more viable version of the game. Where If you said that to me in 2K17, I would have just been like, there's no way in hell that's ever going to happen. Like, Same. Team Pro-Am is always going to be like the pro-am for 2k so i think uh, yeah it's definitely taken a step back or several steps back in the last couple of seasons um i can't really comment much on nba 2k18 but from all of your experiences from what i've heard uh it wasn't a very positive experience Not at all. so no. i think and, and it's a yeah, shame i think because we've loved it so much yeah. we got into it you know you got ben and i into it back in 2k16 and then we were hit it really hard in 2k17 uh, the three of us were yeah. playing multiple sessions a week at one point you know yeah and it always had its problems but there was always something that kind of kept us coming back yeah. and uh at the moment i suppose we still kind of have that camaraderie but we don't have necessarily the branding because we don't want to go back into the team game because it's just totally uninviting and the matchups aren't they're not. We don't have as many matchups. I mean, there have been sessions where we played the same team twice. Yeah. So that's Which, that's something that shouldn't happen. It sometimes happened in the old days, but we did often. You, if we played four or five games, we were probably going to get at least three or four opponents most of the time. Yeah, and most of the time you could wait maybe ten minutes and get a different opponent. But now it's whittled down to basically just the people who can get five people together on a regular basis. And they're either the really cheesy players or the really elite players. And there's really no matchmaking at all in the mode anymore. Not it certainly doesn't seem to work very well. So it's it's not fun. It's it's there's no there's no social league aspect to it, there's there's no balance to it. Yeah, I think they, they really did the wrong thing by taking away the whole minimum three. 
And I know people don't want to play against the AI, but I can tell you it's not really an advantage to play with AI. <laughs> we can tell you that right now. You know? No. So and it's... Yeah. I think one particularly short-sighted um, aspect of that move to make it so it's always five players is that um, people on our servers, we we can't make the 2K League. So why do we have to uh, always have five people? That's right, yeah. We we don't have an incentive to play the mode because, I mean, I, we don't really need that incentive to play the mode. But if if you always need five, then it's kind of like, oh, why bother? Like, if you need Definitely. three, it's like, okay, so we can do this socially. Whereas five, it's like, okay, so we actually need to organize this, which isn't like, it's not always possible. No, and it does take it more seriously than some people want to. Even in the US, I have to imagine, because there are people in on their servers as well saying, look, we'd like to be able to have that like we had in the previous games. And you would think they would be able to have something like Rocket League has where you've got the competitive setting and the casual setting because that way you can appeal to both people who want to be aiming for the league or whatever and playing the super serious version of 2K Pro-Am can say, okay, yep, no AI players allowed. Then you can have the competitive setting where, yes, we'll chuck you a couple of AI players if you just want to get a game. You know, that would be the way to go i would think for both walk on and team pro-am but the fact they've gone away from that i think makes the mode even less appealing which again you're trying to promote the league it just seems very counterproductive and they could be really inventive about it as well like um you know you can actually invite players from your team to your to like your little apartment setup yeah so why not have like the last five players on your bench make them available as ai players like a for me, it'd be like a uh, uh, DeAndre Bembry or uh, trying to think of who else is on the end of that bench. I've got Miles Plumley who's not doing much. So I've, yeah, I mean, we could have Cameron Payne on our team. That'd I, I, be fine. I'd be I'd be bringing the pain, sir, to the to throw-ins. <laughs> but it could be something like the owner of the team, uh, the the five worst players on their my career team can also play as AI players on their pro-am team. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. That would be fun. Absolutely. And that's the, the creative and inventive thing you can do. And it would also underscore the fact that it's pro-am, having pro players in there. Yeah. I mean, I guess technically they're trying to say that we're the pro players, but... Um, who's the amateur players yeah, then? So. Yeah. So by having like five of those players, there are technically no amateur players. So they're, uh, either that or you could say that we're the amateur players and it's just am. So... <laughs> That's all. That's all I am. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did wonder whether the change of of that requirement had actually affected play. I mean, it certainly has on the uh, on the Asian Australasian server that we're on. I was, but I was looking back through the the on the rise trophy, which has been a consistent trophy the last few years, which is basically win as a member of a pro level pro am team or higher. Uh, it's an ultra rare trophy in every single game, 2K17 to 2K18, 2K19, I thought that maybe with all this that there'd be less uh, pro-level pro-am teams this year, especially with the new uh, new requirements. But it's actually one of the higher earned trophies so far, at least when I checked the other day. 2.2% uh, in 2K17, 3.5% in 2K18, and 3.4% this year. So, yeah, I guess people are still playing the mode. Well, I guess people in the States have more of an incentive to do so and they have more opportunities to do so i True. mean they have around what 10 times the population that we do well, so absolutely yeah. that's 
that's more people um, on those servers. So, um, yeah, I, I suppose those numbers kind of surprised me in the sense that you think that uh, having five players would be a major barrier, but I guess in some areas it isn't. It, it could be, again, that we are in Australia. It's, it's kind of like having the, the metric system in NBA Live 19 when I'd love to have the, oh, that the annoys system. Me. I'd, I'd <laughs> love to see them patching an option for that because, yeah, it's 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 fun. I mean, obviously, we grew up, you know, in the born in the 80s, going to school in the 90s. We learned the metric system, so it's not like we're not used to it. But in the NBA, I think Imperial because that's what the NBA uses. Uh, and the only... The only measurement I use Imperial for is height as well, so I guess that's why it annoys me. But that um, too, yeah, yeah. I mean, e- even the weight. Like I'm used to seeing NBA weights in pounds, so yeah, I find that's really jarring as far as like the overall kind of sim experience is concerned. The because you don't want, yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, if you're kind of role playing as like a GM in America. Um, sure, if you have everything in metric, it's like, okay, so we're converting it, pretending like we're an Australian converting it to, you know, metric or whatever, but it kind of, I don't know, it's like you'd expect it to be an imperial if you actually had a job in America. Like, they wouldn't they wouldn't convert it for your sake. No, that's right. You would have to do any conversions yourself. And I'm fine because 2K has an option to do it. It really should be an option in the game I'm... I really have to stress this to the uh, the folks at EA that I know that it's very distracting in power regions. Obviously, not a priority compared to other things, but you know, play two K Playgrounds two does it as well, and the original Playgrounds did it as well. Has has the PAL version in metric, and it, it's just so distracting in a basketball game and an NBA game at that, where you are used to having the players listed, and it's it's not like it's upsetting for us to see the imperial measurements in an NBA game or anything. So, yeah, in fact, it's quite the opposite. Again, it's quite distracting in the presentation. Yeah, it's it's such a little thing, but I don't know. It's just such a pet peeve for me at the um, same time. I'm glad I'm not the only one that it, that it bothers, honestly, because, yeah, that's, that's bugged me. And the thing is, we had that in Live 09 and 10, and it bugged me then. Possibly 08 as well on the last gen. But then they, Live 14, 15 didn't. They went back to Imperial worldwide, and I was like, yes, fantastic. They've avoided that. And then 16, 18, 19, metrics come back. And, yeah. I uh I don't care for it, <laughs> which is funny because obviously it's the it's what what we use day to day. But nevertheless, I uh, hope they can patch that. Certainly something to stress. Uh, speaking of live nineteen, have you have you been playing any of live nineteen lately? Uh, over the course of the last week, I played one game of the one, and I mean it was okay. But at the same time, I can kind of see why it hasn't really hooked me in. Uh, what like. I've heard the argument made like countless times that <clears throat> 2K is too much of a grind. I think NBA Live isn't enough of a grind because uh, two games in and my coach has already assigned me 45, no, 44 minutes a game. Oof. So I guess uh, for some reason the Sacramento Kings now have uh, Tom Thibodeau as their coach. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no reason why a rookie who's two games into his career should be playing 44 minutes a game, even if they're rated like 90, I think I'm 92 at the moment. So um, maybe, maybe the assigned minutes would have been lower if I say started with the one, or should I say the league instead of like play all that street ball. But 
yeah, I still think there should be like a natural progression. Oh, not a natural one. Like just even a contrived progression where you have to spend like the first few games on the bench and then you rise to the starting lineup. So kind of a somewhere between what Live is doing and 2K is doing, basically. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I can understand like I don't like for me, I don't think 2K is too much of a grind at the moment. I think it's kind of where it needs to be because uh, I made it to 91 overall within my first season. And, you know, I don't think a lot of rookies really rise to that level, like at at that, like such an early stage of their career. So I think that part of the game is fine. Um, But yeah, I can, I can understand the argument because, uh, you know, the G League is very difficult at the beginning, but I think it all kind of levels itself out in the end. But um, yeah, NBA Live to me is just like, yeah, you have you have basically a player who's labelled as a superstar in his third game, and you know you could be, very well be the next Ben Simmons. But uh, yeah, I just I don't know. It leaves me feeling a bit cold for some reason. I think it's that again. It comes down to that balance between online and offline because in if you're talking about my career in in 2k i think it's a decent progression because again i played through that whole year i didn't pay for any vc i only i got the the regular edition the standard edition so i only had the the 5000 bonus vc had to grind a lot had to do a lot of the daily challenges to get extra vc to level up quicker but having done that i've now at 91 overall i reached 91 overall by the end of the first season well ahead of the end of the first season actually and then i'm now sitting on 132000 vc which i'm can't spend until I get my next cap breaker going, basically. So, yeah, it's if you're doing it offline, I think it's a, a pretty good progression. The problem, of course, is pay-to-win mechanics online in 2K, whereas live yeah. starts you out higher so you can get online and be uh, at least competent online much earlier. But then the, the balance is when you play the league, you are this star already. Like, I, I debuted in the league and almost got a triple-double in my first game. I had, I think, 30 points, 9 and 9, basically. So I... I had I, a triple double in my second. Or did I? So, I think yeah. I, I think I might actually was it my second game, my first game. I think I did get a triple double. Actually, debuted with a triple double, which would you know, and I'm what something like eighty overall at the moment in live, which is not too bad. And and I'm still coming off the bench actually on the six man right now, <laughs> coming off the bench, but still playing thirty odd minutes. Um, so you, you do get it, become a star much quicker. Um, I haven't really been playing the league. I've been playing a couple of live events today actually because they've got the all star events. And mm-hmm. it was really cool to see the 91 West All-Star jerseys in the game because you, you play, yeah, against, that's pretty cool. play against a version of the starting lineup for the West. Uh, a couple of the players, they can't license, of course, so they're not in there. And I'm guessing they can't really do the Eastern 91 or they'll have to do a version of that because Jordan's not in the game, unfortunately. But <laughs> see, seeing those jerseys was really cool. Uh, getting some of the throwbacks, got the... Uh, the who was the throwback? Carmelo, although oddly it's the 96-97 throwback. Magic Johnson, 83 throwback, and a David Robinson throwback, and getting Kevin Johnson and Chris Mullen as the players. Very cool. Uh, took me a couple of goes online because I some of the sessions with the randoms weren't, they were what you would expect, playing with randoms, but I had another one where yeah. I, had, I was playing with a, a court icon, and he was yeah, he was really good, and it was really good to play a few games with uh, with him, or her, I should say, or the player was male anyway. Um Play, playing with that person and they were move, moving the ball around things like that it was surprisingly good for playing with randoms but then you'd have other games where it was just yeah they're just everyone's just forcing up shots when they're triple teamed and not passing the ball and over dribbling or passing to you when you're well, well out of position things like that 
but I did play a few, got some some pretty cool swag unlocked. Bought a Scotty Pippen jersey with the RP, so I've got that. Nice, little, nice. Little, it looks a little bit washed out. It's got a weird sort of dingy color to it. These uh, Mitchell and <laughs> jerseys. It's uh, I'll have to show you the screenshot. Uh, yeah, so but it was it was fun to do to play. I haven't really played anything else in live recently. Want to give Ultimate Team another look because I've heard there's some really good stuff in there at the moment. So I'll, I'll give that another look and and my team, of course. Uh, you've been playing a bit of my team, haven't you? Yeah, um, my team's actually my mode of choice at the moment. Um, I actually defeated the fantasy domination, so I unlocked a, a I think it was a Diamond Bernard King. So oh, nice. that was pretty cool. Yeah, he, wow. uh, he's like Vince Carter. He, he dunks on everybody, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I have I have those uh, diamond contracts on Vince Carter and Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I'm considering uh, using my third one on Bernard King because that would be it'd be cool to have like uh, Carter King and uh, uh, Kumbo in the same starting lineup, like have them as my three regular fixtures, but. Um, now I'm up to, what is it, the all-time domination, and that's really hard because it's the all-time teams for all of the teams. Mm. So it's like, um, so they're actually like using their all-time rosters, which I think is, you know, it's a really good addition to the game if it oh, wasn't yeah. in there in 2K18. I was, yeah. Um, that, that, was, that was last year they came in, yeah. So, but they only used it, did they use it in like any kind of game modes? or? I'm not sure if they... Is it I, just a, yeah, I didn't play enough my team last year to see that but I, I know they, they added it to the game last year but yeah they, they might be using them properly in, in my team now but that's that's really cool either way yeah so i played a couple of games and i haven't been able to win one because i played the first one against the denver nuggets and i was getting torched by like uh who was it uh you know prime carmelo anthony and um david thompson and um yeah. even dan issel was killing me out there so um, on that one yeah Kiki Vandaway. Van yeah, I think Kiki Vanderway was on that team. And they also had, like, um, Mahmoud Abdul-Roof, uh, Chauncey Billups. So a lot of really, like, really solid players. Mm. And then after that, I thought, oh, okay, maybe the Orlando Magic might be a bit easier. And it's like, nope, that's got Shaq, Dwight Howard, <laughs> uh, Penny Hardaway, Dennis Scott. So, yeah, it was, yeah. it's a really, really tough, uh, really tough mode. Which is good because I mean, I thought I thought the fantasy domination was pretty tough, but uh, I was able to kind of get around it by setting my defensive um, uh, settings kind of because usually I just set them all to auto, but I've kind of learned how to uh, I suppose set them so that you can kind of defend better in harder kind of difficulties. Yep. So, but um, yeah, the all-time domination is just a different beast altogether. Speaking of all-time nuggets, I got a through a locker code. I got a 92 overall diamond uh, or pink diamond uh, to Kevin Mutombo. Oh, very nice. Um, I think yeah, he he may have been the starting. It was either him or Dan Issel that were was the starting center for the Denver Nuggets. So, um, but yeah, either way, it was such a tough team to come up against. Man does not fly in the house of Mutombo, as the old ad used to tell us. Back in the day. <laughs> Now, and you look at my team, and you, and you can just see what Ultimate Team could and definitely should be in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I think my team is so deep this year. Like I've, like today, well, not today, just over the weekend, I completed those four challenges that they released, like across the. I think it was just after the trade deadline because there were like four teams that made some pretty big moves, like 
I mean, we'll go into it, but there was like the Toronto Raptors, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, I think maybe the Clippers and the 76ers. Mm. So you played those four like new look teams uh, as part of like their new moments challenges. So that's, um, they're, they're nice ways to kind of build up a bit of MT because I think they were worth about two and a half thousand each. So across the four, you can get like 10,000 MT plus like um, performance MT on top of that. So that's all right. How, how long are they up for? Are they still up or? Uh, they, they... Yeah, I think they're still up. Might they might forget on that. They definitely. They have a time limit on them, but yep. uh, I'm, I'm guessing they'll be up for maybe the next few days. And again, having the some of the the moments challenges being timed, and others the like the, the weekly challenges sticking around so that you can go back and do them. Uh, just such a great change this year to be able to have that content that if you miss out on it the first time, or if you you pick up the game late, or if you're playing another mode for a lot, like we were playing a lot of my career, it's it's just a, a much better way of doing it. Yeah, and they've even like upped the ante on the weekly challenges as well. So instead of earning three tokens, you now earn six for the newer ones. So I think that's a nice touch as well. Oh, definitely. You know what they do need to scale up though is the the wheel in uh, the price wheel <laughs> in my career. Because at this point, when you're already at ninety one overall, ninety twenty one, ninety two overall, uh, five hundred my team. Sorry, not five. Five hundred my points just doesn't make a dent in the cap breaker. Basically, yeah, uh, it doesn't level, and, and even and five hundred VC is pretty worthless too. So, it, I'm it, I'm sick of getting Gatorade packs from that wheel. I'm always getting Gatorade packs. Like, yeah, yeah. I think I have like maybe eighteen games worth of boosts from that wheel over the last few days. I just want I want some uh, VC. Is <laughs> I have got a fair few VCs on the spin, and I've got some items which was really nice while I was still earning spending all my VC on upgrades and, and not really having anything to spare for clothes, getting some different clothes and everything. But the one that I really, I think, is just can't stand is when I get the free alley-oop tattoo. Like, this is the most useless for what I want to do with my player, basically. Like, I'll, yeah. ta- I'll, I'll take any kind of ridiculous swags item if you want to give me a silly cap or some sunglasses. Like, I'm fine to just whack those on in the playground and in the neighborhood. But yeah, the, the alley-oop tattoos. And, didn't you get some letters? Like, it gave you some letters or something? Yeah, they give you really random ones. I think I think the way that they should do it in 2K20 is that they should give you like a store credit so you can get like one that's worth 500 VC or however much they're worth. So, I mean, it would still have the same effect, but at least I could get like maybe a letter that's relevant to me. I don't know. So the other thing that I've been doing this week is working on the NBA 2K11 roster update, which I want to see if I can get something out by the end of the month. No promises, but that's my... I was certainly trying. Uh, did you see my preview of uh, Joe Ingles? Yeah, that um, his jump shot in that screenshot looked very, very accurate. So, yeah, good job on that. Thank you. I was pretty pleased to see that in the game. I, I, when I came across it going through after uh, created him, I thought, yes, that's that's just it. That's just him. And uh, even the Kid Gilchrist one, I thought, turned out pretty much okay. It's, it's not as crazy as his, but it's probably as close as you're going to get without actually having his in the game, which is obviously a couple of years too early. But it's... Uh, yeah, it's definitely been an experience, and it makes you realize just how much, I think I've said it before, but just how much the league has turned over in, well, I guess close to a decade now, that how many players Almost, you have, yeah. that you have to create, it's uh, how much turnover there is, about 60, 70, maybe even 80% of the league turned over. Like, there's a lot of, I think it was the Hawks didn't have a player that was playing in the 2010-2011 season. Yeah, wow, because um, I guess back then they were probably, what, led by Josh Smith? Myth, maybe and uh al horford was was there of course 
Um, oh, of course, Al Horford, yeah. And, and pretty much uh, yeah, all those players back then. And some teams had more than others. Some teams had about six or seven. I think the Warriors might have had the most players at the moment because, of course, they've, they've added others like Cousins and Iguodala and everyone else since tw- the 2011 yeah. season. Um, but, yeah, the Hawks had absolutely no one. So most, a lot of teams had three or four players. Hawks, none. Absolutely none. <laughs> so they've got no – it shows you how many veterans they have, like, up around the 10 years. And you know, a lot of teams do have that veteran presence that's been around for 10, 11 years, uh, you know, anchoring the bench or whatever. But, no, they've, they're really young at the moment. They've got no one. But but again, you, you go back, that is seven, eight years ago. It's almost a decade. But that's just how much the league uh, turns over. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you might actually struggle to find somebody from the Denver Nuggets that was on uh, NBA 2K11 lineup, actually, now I think about it. I'll just take a look because I just, the, the last team, I, I have to, uh, sw- I've hit the creator player limit. So I actually have to do some editing in the in the in the database to, to be able to play them again. But the last the very last team that I did and the very last player that took up the last creator player slot was the Denver Nuggets that I've done. Um, yeah. I'll see who they've actually got. They've got um, Wilson Chandler, because this is the 2018 rosters that I'm doing, mm-hmm. updating for 2019. So this is the 2018 roster. They had Wilson Chandler, um, Devin Harris, uh, Richard Jefferson, um, Paul Millsap. So yeah, about only about four players that were there in 2010, 2011. And right, some yeah. others that I've since created or created everybody. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, a lot of turnover. I think the, Bull, the Bulls, I think, was only Robin Lopez was the only one. Right, yeah. So that's still a work in progress. I'll keep putting out some work in progress screenshots and let everyone know how it's coming together. But it, it is coming together, so I wanted to put those screenshots out because I was, I was quite happy with those jump shot animations, how I was just able to find ones that fit. And that's when you do make a roster project like that, Kenny, it's really cool to see it come together like that and... Yeah, and just see little things like that. You think, yeah, this is going to turn out okay. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I've I've only really dabbled in roster editing. I suppose would have been back in NBA Live '98. So it goes to show like how long it's been for me. But um, yeah, I could imagine it's always great to see like your project come to life. I suppose absolutely, and it's it is it's also funny because I'm used to doing the rosters for the last time I was doing rosters with Live '08, and you've got 20, 20 ratings for them. And pretty straightforward creative player system. And now in, in 2K11, of course, 2K19, you've got all the tendencies and all the animations that you can edit and everything. So yeah. creating players is uh, is definitely a longer process. But we'll get there, and I'm yeah looking forward to getting it out. So before we wrap up, we thought we'd talk a little, little bit about the real NBA this week. Of course, the trade deadline, which we've alluded to a couple of times so far in the show. And, and like we said, Kenny, what a... What a wild uh, trade deadline. I mean, there's been some really quiet ones in recent years where we've expected big things uh, and things that you know, things <laughs> just didn't happen, basically, at the deadline. We thought there might be some trades and there were barely any, if none at all. Uh, one trade that didn't happen was Anthony Davis. He is still with the Pelicans, uh, which goes against what I said last week. I thought it was about a 70% chance that he was getting traded. Uh, turns out a 0% that the Pelicans are calling his bluff or seeing what they do next year is because he'll he'll have the leverage then because he will have the impending free agency. But uh, you, you noticed this uh, possible fine that they might be receiving for uh, for sitting Anthony Davis during this whole trade uh, debacle. So I saw on Real GM that the NBA were looking to fine the Pelicans 100000 per game that Anthony Davis sat. So, um, yeah, essentially citing that rule about resting healthy players, uh, um, which I think... 
it's kind of ridiculous because NBA teams rest healthy players all the time. They're just, you know, they're DNP coaches' decisions. They're not big-time players like an Anthony Davis. But I think they're setting a dangerous precedent with this because who do you classify as a player that is worthy enough to, I suppose, find a team for not playing? Hmm. And also, you're kind of playing into... You're kind of, I guess, playing God with like... uh, with team rotations as well, because you're saying, okay, Anthony Davis has to be in your rotation. So there's another player at the end of your bench can't get minutes now because you have Anthony Davis on your team. So he is, he has to be your priority. And uh, absolutely. And the other thing is it wasn't like they were just resting him, sitting him for rest when he was healthy, like a Popovich has done. And the things that forced that rule to come into effect in the first place, there was a, 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 you know, a divide between him and the team, a rift, if you will, that he wanted to be traded and there was a situation where they were trying to trade him and he was sitting on the bench. Remember Alan Iverson was sitting on the bench when the 76ers were trying to trade him all those years ago in 2005. Uh, he sat out a few games as they were, as that very public divorce was happening there. So this is a similar situation. And of course, he's made that public trade demand. Could this not count as him sitting out games for contact uh, detrimental to the team? You know, it seems, uh, seems to come under that kind of umbrella. I'd say so. And, I mean, like, if they're doing this for Anthony Davis, like, couldn't they have done the same thing for Carmelo Anthony? Now, I know he had, you know, he had a pretty rocky um, time with the Houston Rockets, but they technically didn't waive him. I think they traded him to Chicago, didn't they? So that yeah. was, like, an entire time where he was made inactive. Um, say what you want about the season he's he's had so far. But his reputation is that of a multiple-time all-star, you know, a guy who was seen in his prime as one of the you know best players in the league. Sure, um, at least you know top ten at the very least at one stage. I would have thought. And you look at a situation like Mello, that's essentially banishing him from the team because they're going through that split, which is not an ideal situation for anyone involved. But just the way it worked out, a professional relationship breaking down and they were looking to move him or cut him at some point. And eventually they did trade him to the Bulls and then the Bulls cut him. And now we may be heading to the Lakers. We will we'll certainly see that with our unofficial mellow watch that we've going on in the podcast here. <laughs> but, but again, it is that same situation. And I totally agree that he was basically told, OK, stay away from the team. We're not going to play you. We've, we've come to a parting of the ways. Just stay away. You know, you'll get your paycheck or whatever, but don't, you know that we're obviously splitting this was possibly the situation that was going to happen with anthony davis as well very similar situation so apart from the fact that Melo is a fading star and that davis is a franchise player that's really the only difference to how they're handling the situation i would think yeah i i just think it sets a dangerous precedent because it it i don't know it's similar i guess to the all-star voting like situation that's going on at the moment like it's kind of like the NBA is prioritizing players, like some players over others. And I think um, everybody should be on a, a level playing field, at least as far as like, I don't know. I know they're not on like a salary standpoint, but they should be as far as like a work rights kind of standpoint. And um, yeah, there's just, there's a few decisions being made by the NBA at the moment under David Silver that just they're really putting me off as a fan. 
it's yeah, and people do credit Adam Silver for being a great uh, commissioner. And I, I've got my quibbles with some of the things that happened under his his uh, regime, his rule, his overseeing of the league. Uh, I, I can see what they're trying to do with it, but I, I think it's a case of where they're trying to get a perfect result in a situation where you it's not always you can't guarantee perfection without going full WWE and just rigging the league and <laughs> making it predetermined. Yeah. Like all the changes to the playoff seating over the years, and they're talking about getting rid of the conferences and all that kind of thing. Sometimes it worked out better than others, sure, but it worked for so many years, and you don't just change it just because, oh, the results aren't perfect. I mean, again, if you want perfect results, you really can only rig the league. I remember the first time saying it the first time when they changed the some of the rules for the seating, and I think they have made a few good changes to the seating rules over the years, don't get me wrong. But it, it was just funny when everyone said, oh, it's it's terrible, we need to change it so that the top three teams aren't necessarily guaranteed the seed because we won't get the... Uh, it won't be the right matchups in the playoffs. And then the next year, the Warriors upset the Mavericks, the top seed in the first round, and the playoffs were just thrown out of whack anyway, and it didn't matter. Yeah. So <laughs> you can't... Per, what are perfect results? You know, a perfect result, you know, or a good result certainly in basketball should be one that is not predetermined not contrived by the league so i understand wanting to try and put out that best product possible but i think it does come against the autonomy of teams and sometimes to that end the quality of the play in the league yeah exactly and i think um i don't know it's kind of easy to say with hindsight that making players play when they're healthy is kind of was a bad rule but i didn't i think it kind of maybe lacked kind of maybe it lacked a bit of foresight um by the nba because like i guess they didn't see a situation like this happening when it's probably pretty obvious now that a situation like this could arise from that kind of a rule and and there's no nuance to the rule that says okay what what constitutes not properly fielding a team of players and and what, what what constitutes holding a player out unnecessarily because obviously this is a situation where a split looked like it might happen. So they were at odds. So he was he was not dressing and not playing. That That is different to kind of trying to troll the league, as I think Bobovich did a couple of times, and holding up players in nationally televised games. It's, it's a different situation. But how much can you put into that rule? How much nuance can you put? So then, yeah, the rule does come back with without the loopholes and without the nuance. It, it comes back to haunt uh, teams doing things that aren't necessarily against the spirit of the game yeah i just i don't know i think i think i may have like criticized the rule pretty early on so i've never really liked it but Mm. this is like the worst application i've seen of it so far and and goes to show what uh what could happen and as for davis himself again obviously he didn't move and yeah that's going to be an interesting situation moving forward with the pelicans because they've got this star who definitely wants out and he's doesn't (laughs) obviously not happy with the teammates who were there so Welcome back into the fold, Brow. You know, you're kind of trying to get along for the rest of the year, and and possibly at least half a season beyond here. And if they trade him in the off season, what 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 do you do? I mean, it's it's clearly disgruntled, unless you can somehow win him over. Uh, I mean, Kobe was won over when they traded for Gasol. Uh, even Magic Johnson demanded a trade very early in his career, and that hurt his popularity for a, a season or two. In fact, the only season that he didn't play, oh, sorry, he played in the All Star game, but wasn't voted in as a starter, was a year that he demanded a trade in the early '80s and kind of hurt his popularity for a year, but he bounced back from that. Uh, yeah, does that happen with uh, Anthony Davis? Can they repair the relationship? Can they move on in, in with, with him in uh, 
like I don't really have an issue with how he kind of came out and said, look, I, I kind of want to move on. But at the same time, it's it's just kind of gotten a bit ugly, I suppose, because of how it's quite, it's quite obvious that he wanted to go to Los Angeles. Like, at least that's the way I see it. He, he obviously wanted, uh, you know, to be traded to like maybe like uh, to team up with LeBron and yeah. I guess that's the one thing that kind of made me feel a bit uneasy about it all. So his teammates are looking at him and going, "Oh, you don't, uh, you don't want us, do you?" And then LeBron's teammates are looking at him and saying, "Oh, you wanted to trade us, did you?" So every <laughs> number twenty-three just alienating people all over the place in the league these days. So. Yeah, it's uh, the NBA is becoming like uh, one of the most interesting reality TV shows around at the moment. This is what happens when the Kardashians get involved with NBA players, Kenny. It's that's the way it goes, I guess. So, I wasn't quite going in that direction, but yeah, definitely, uh, maybe that's somewhat of an influence. So, another player that was demanding out was uh, Thon Maker, Australian, of course, uh, and he did get his wish. He's uh, traded to the the Pistons, I believe. Yeah, um, I don't know how I feel about that. I liked him with the Buck, but at the same time. Uh, when I went to see them play the Denver Nuggets, he was benched for that game. So he obviously wasn't getting the minutes that he wanted there. So I think I think in that instance, you can kind of understand the trade demand and hopefully he can get some minutes behind um, Andre Drummond. Hopefully another a fresh start for him. Sometimes it's it's definitely helped other players uh, in the past. Uh, Marcus Gasol moving to the Raptors. That's a, that's a big deal, obviously. Grizzlies looking to to move on. Uh, Conley was apparently on the table as well, but I guess a bit harder to move with that contract. Uh, but yes, Gas- yep. Gasol um, traded. Uh, of course, he was originally drafted by the, the Lakers, traded for his brother, but uh, for, for the first time since you know, playing in the NBA, traded to uh, yeah to, to the Raptors, and the Raptors obviously going all in to try and keep Kawhi and, and contend right now. So the Raptors now have a really awesome looking defensive team on paper because they've got Gasol. Ibaka, uh, Kawhi Leonard, who's you know twice player of the year, player, defensive player of the year. So um, Marcus Ole also won that award, I think, back in 2013 or 14, one of those two years. So they're looking excellent as far as like a team on paper is concerned. Um, I, I'm interested to see what actually happens with the Raptors and how their lineups work, though, because when I was there. In uh, when I was in Vancouver, the the lineup was they were playing I think Ibaka at the center with Pascal Siakam at power forward and uh, Valanciunas was coming off the bench. So mm. I don't really see Gasol coming off the bench for them. So um, yeah, I, I'm kind of interested to see what their rotation is going to look like. And that trade, of course, Dylan Wright, uh, Valanciunas, as you said, and uh, CJ Miles for Gasol. Uh, Grizzlies obviously going into complete rebuild mode after. I guess grind time came to an end a couple of years ago with Zach Randolph moving on and Tony Allen and everyone, so it was, I suppose, inevitable. But they had a pretty good run. Yeah, they did have a good run, and I suppose the writing's been on the wall for them for the last couple of seasons. So it is kind of sad to see Gasol uh, move from Memphis because I heard that um, ever since the Grizzlies have been in Memphis, there's always been a Gasol on the team. So that's kind of like an end of an era now. That's That's true. They have, actually, yeah. 76ers made a, a trade. They traded uh, Landry Shamet, uh, Mike Muscala, and Wilson Chandler, former Nugget, of course, to the uh, to the Clippers, Clippers to the Clippers for uh, Boban, uh, Mike Scott, and Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris, a 
moved a lot of people giving up on Tobias Harris. A lot of teams seem to be moving him around, and very good player, yet uh, uh, not not seemingly not landing in a situation where he's uh, fitting into their plans. And I, I I wouldn't compare him to Chauncey Billups in playing style or anything. I mean, certainly he's a forward, not a guard. But in that case of perhaps he needs to find his fit because he's a very you know, very good player, Tobias Harris. But a lot of teams have kind of moved him because they've had other plans. But he, he is a very solid player. And the 76ers, I think that's a really good pickup for them. Great pickup for them. I think he found he found his niche in, um, in, at the Clippers. But I think the problem was that he's probably going to look for money in the offseason. Ah, so yes, um, I think that they weren't confident in being able to retain him so i guess they're probably looking for maybe a few assets just to like kind of kind of cover that but i think both teams did pretty well in that trade i mean even um andrew Shamet, he's he's had some really good games this season and um you know don't overlook boban because that's probably the acquisition of the whole trade deadline well when you can dunk without jumping it's <laughs> bend the rim at that <laughs> Certainly. And him and Tobias Harris get to stay together, so that's another plus. Uh, did you see on Twitter, I forget who, who tweeted it, but it said basically it's part of the new CBA that Harry, wherever Harris goes, uh, Boban must, must go as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I found that quite amusing. It was good. Uh, the Bulls made a trade. Uh, Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker. Parker, of course, the off-season acquisition for $20 million a year. Kind of a controversial signing at the time, but... They've sent them, along with a draft consideration, which I think is a second-round pick in 2023, to the Wizards for Otto Porter Jr. I I mean, I'm okay with moving on from Portis and Parker. No problem with them being traded whatsoever. Porter, I think, is a, quite a solid player. He's just really overpaid, and I'm not sure about what that does for their cap flexibility over the next couple of years because he's owed about $28 million per year for the next couple of years. Um, and I think he might have already peaked and is not quite that worth that money but at the same time i'm not too uh heartbroken to see portis and parker gone so i'll give it a go and he had a pretty good debut so yeah i'm, I'm open to it it's just the contract's a little bit of a uh, an albatross yeah definitely I, i'm i'm kind of interested to see how porter goes with the bulls because i think he was definitely like the third option for the wizards so he's probably going to have i guess a bigger role in the offense of the bulls i mean who else do you guys have? Like Levine and Markman, basically. That's that's your scoring at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Levine's had some good numbers this year, and you know, Markman's kind of the the future, I suppose. So, um, but at the same time, I don't know. Like Porter's always kind of been used to having a guy like John Wall, who's like a you know an elite playmaker. So, I guess I'm kind of interested to see how he goes. Like maybe creating his own shots, I, like in that sense i just remember that shacked in a full moment where he just completely lost uh, against the bulls ironically um completely lost uh butler on defense and was just left dumbfounded <laughs> yeah that was that was one of the best i think i've ever seen seeing who else has been uh moved around of course oh i mean uh Pozingas got traded uh, the previous week and the knicks continue to make moves they've uh, since cut uh, wesley matthews and uh, ennis Cantor. Uh, yeah, a bit of a controversial departure there with uh, Cantor. Some remarks he made didn't go down too well. Yeah, I mean, didn't didn't Cantor write like LOL or something in one of the tweets about DeAndre Jordan adding a veteran presence or something? I don't know. It seems like um, 
Ennis Cantor doesn't really have a lot of self-control when it comes to Twitter. Yes, yes. I think it was another case of uh, foot in mouth there and uh, that led to the split. Uh, Nick uh, Stauskas has been traded a couple of times. First to the... Him and uh, Wade Baldwin. Yeah. So they both yeah. got traded three times in three days and they both got waived. So uh, that's the... Luke Ridnauer of the current trade deadline, I suppose. See, I both thought, of them. I, I thought that couldn't happen anymore since the Rashid Wallace deal back in two thousand four when he went to the Hawks for a game and then to the Pistons. I thought they closed that loophole where you or is it uh, allowed at the deadline, is it I I guess. I I wouldn't have a clue, honestly. No, I mean, but I mean, it I mean, does I, seem highly irregular. I mean it happens, so I guess it's allowed, but yeah, I thought they'd yeah. change that rule with with the you know, I don't think it's called the Rashid Wallace rule, but it might as well be the Wallace rule because that's yeah. kind of what happened. Uh, the Clippers uh, got Michael Beasley from the and uh, and uh, Zubac Zubac from uh, from the Lakers, and they've actually waived uh, Beasley since. Um, and they've they've got uh, Mike Muscala from the Clippers again. Probably is getting traded, like, as you said, multiple times in, in the space of a couple of days. Looks like they are freeing up some cap space to uh, to go after Melo and bring him in on a and. Sorry, before the podcast, we were discussing who the uh, starting centre for the Clippers was going to be, and I kind of suggested it was probably going to be Montrezl Harrell, but I forgot about Zubats. It's probably going to be him. So uh, I always thought he had a great upside, and I suppose we will see whether that's the case with the Clippers. Brooklyn Nets uh, getting uh, uh, Greg Monroe uh, from the uh, Toronto Raptors, Uh, but then they cut him. So again, there's been a lot of uh, trades, and Ellington is the same as well. Was traded to Phoenix, and then cut, and he's just signed with the Pistons. So a lot, a lot of players just getting moved on for cash considerations or picks, things like that, and then just being cut to move on to uh, to other teams. Yeah, just a flurry of uh, of moves basically. I'm just seeing if there's anything else. Uh, Memphis also traded for Avery Bradley from the Clippers. That's right. I remember. I remember Avery Bradley getting traded from the Clippers now because um, I remember when I was there, I thought he he provided such a defensive presence for them in the games that I watched. But um, I then realized he was having like probably his worst offensive season of his career. So um, kind of a liability in that sense. And that's uh, for Jermichael Green and Garrett Temple. Uh, also, the 76ers giving up on Markel Fultz, uh, trading him to the Magic for... Jonathan Simmons and uh, draft considerations are a pick. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously he's the odd man out with uh, Ben Simmons taking over the playmaking duties coming in like that. Uh, the 76ers just stockpiling talent and 76ers have given away a few players over the years. Uh, Jalil Okafor, who's had a bit of a resurgence there with the Pelicans, actually, especially filling in for, for Davis when he's been out. And of course, uh, Nerlens Noel. Um, 76ers have, have obviously got a pretty good team together now, but they've taken a, a punt on a few of those players and Moved on. Uh, kind of surprised to see Fultz move on this quickly, though. A couple of other players to throw in there are uh, Drew Holiday and Michael Carter-Williams as well. Oh, indeed, um, yes. It yes. seemed like seemed like the Sixers gave up on both of them when they were just kind of you know emerging. But uh, I think I think this is one trade that people really shouldn't sleep on because I think it could be mutually beneficial because the Sixers get a guy who was great for the Spurs a few seasons ago in the playoffs. Like he. He really emerges like an excellent defensive player, and yeah. maybe within like a 76ers system, he could like really excel. And you also have Marco Fultz, who, I mean, th- I suppose there's probably a bit more pressure on him in uh, in Orlando to kind of uh, be a point guard that you know 
plays meaningful minutes, but I I really want to see him succeed because I think he gets such a bad rap and you can kind of see that it's really affected his game. Like all the injuries and all that kind of stuff he's gotten, like his his shooting form is just there's something wrong with it. And I just yeah. want to see yeah. agreed. I just want to see him get back to like, you know, being that promising player in college. And, and sometimes a change of scene, you know, I, I brought up uh, Chauncey Billups earlier in the show, or earlier in the segment, I should say. And, and again, he bounced around the league a little bit early on and until he really made his mark with the with the Nuggets and Pistons, I suppose. Well, Tim, Timberwolves maybe first of all, but it took a while mm. for, for him to really get going. And, and, and like you say, we, we do like to write people off and there's a whole thing about how I think it's, I think it's easier for people to go with that negative opinion because then you can either double down on it and, and move the goalposts, or you can uh, be very smug and say, "Oh, well, he proved me wrong," as if that's <laughs> as if your opinion being proven wrong is some kind of great achievement, or you can uh, say, "Oh, you know, there's, there's something that there's less risk in a negative opinion." I think, or or maybe people just get a bit cynical and they like to write people off, but but certainly a change of scenery can be uh, make a, a huge difference for players who seem like they were circling the drain with their NBA careers and he he was very highly touted whether he is the really should have been as as high a pick and I think the the Celtics made the right move in that draft and everything but at the same time yeah it's it's too young to give up on basically yeah I I just hope he succeeds because I think you know a player of his kind of talent the way like the amount of talent that he showed off in college like our league is better if we can see that so um yeah I just I hope for the best and um, you know, you talk about players who take a while. Just you just have to look at um, somebody like D'Angelo Russell. He was always kind of, you know, when he was with the Lakers, he was. I mean, he had that whole situation with Nick Young. He wasn't really that consistent, but he's an All Star this year. So, um, you know, he's obviously proof that you can kind of turn it around. And um, it's kind of funny because a lot of people thought that the Lakers should have taken Jalil Okafor over D'Angelo Russell, but mm. history shows that they made the right decision. And, you know, speaking of D'Angelo, he's just become the youngest player to ever hit 500 career three-pointers. Yeah, so he's going from strength to strength. And if we know anything about the current NBA, it's that if you're the youngest to do something, that means you're the greatest. So move over Steph Curry. It's uh, <laughs> D'Angelo Russell is the greatest shooter of all time. I'm sorry, but that's the way the... The current winds blow, but never, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, uh, kind of uh, interesting that he's the player to do that. It would have thought it would be somebody else, but obviously players now taking a lot more threes. He came into the league quite young. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, and he has, like you say, he's an all-star. Ice water in his veins. But um, I remember making the joke on Twitter because I think um, I think it was Real GM or maybe Woj wrote a tweet saying that the Lakers were seeking like an, another all-star or something like that. And I joked um, Lonzo Ball for D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. um, MP3 was like, oh, man, that's too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of uh, looking at some other players, because there's been a lot of flurry of trades, some more impactful than others and with bigger names. Um, but looking at a lot of players in the in the, the aftermath of the trade deadline have been cut. Uh, Gortat from the Clippers and also... Uh, uh, Milos Teodosic, that's right. Teodosic, yeah. Omri Caspi from the Grizzlies. The Pelicans acquired Markeith Morris and they've cut him. Maybe he can reunite in Boston with his with his twin brother because remember a couple of years ago they weren't happy when they got split up from the Suns. Yeah. 
The Mavericks acquired uh, Zach Randolph and cut him. Of course, the Nets waived Rick Monroe. So there's some notable players that have been around the league for a few years, or many years in the case of Zach Randolph, of course, who have been uh, cut and looking for new teams. Uh, the Kings just signed Corey Brewer to a 10-day contract, so he's back in the league. Uh, yeah, so, so the moves haven't, even though the trade deadline is finished, looks like there'll be some uh, some top free agents maybe looking to latch on with some contenders and whatnot or find new homes over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. The, just because the trade deadline has ended doesn't mean that there's not going to be like a, another flurry of moves. I mean, we even have our own Mitch Creek playing for the... Is he still playing for the Brooklyn Nets? I've, I'm pretty sure he... Did he sign his second 10-day contract? Or I'm not sure what happened there. Just take a look at that. Uh, he signed the 10-day contract on February 14th, so it's hasn't signed another one yet, but he might, might offer him a second because he had a pretty good showing the other night, if I will... Yeah, so um, if he makes it in the NBA, he won't be going to the South Melbourne Magic, uh, whatever the South Melbourne team is. So um, he was like their first marquee signing. So it's uh, it's good to see another Australian make it, I suppose, and um, hopefully he can stick around for a bit longer. Absolutely. So great, great time to be doing a roster update, of course, all the flurry of movements to do. But <laughs> fortunately, I'm finishing up the 2018 roster then uh, Moving on to 2019, by the time I get that all done, that should be uh, settled down, hopefully. By the way, um, did we mention Meritage to the Bucks? It, uh, no, we didn't. So that was the other one after moving on. So he's gone from, yeah, from the Bucks. Um, was that in the, was that a three-way deal or with the with the Pistons and the Pelicans? So Pistons, Pelicans and Bucks? Because um, the Pistons Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Pistons get maker. I just remember. Business get Maker, the Bucks get Miritich, and the Pelicans get Stanley Johnson. Okay, so we did mention that trade. We just mentioned well, Thumbmaker instead. Possibly, or I might be looking at another one. Because uh, Pelicans also received Jason Smith from the Bucks. Draft consideration from the Bucks. So a few players moved there, yeah. so God, Jason Smith is still in the league. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That surprises me for some reason. Another one, <laughs> another one from 2K11 that I just didn't have to create, basically. Um, also, Miritich looks very strange without a big beard. So, he does indeed. Um, he needs to roll it back for sure. <laughs> the beard power, yeah. And I, I don't. Uh, and I'm not saying that because I have a beard. <laughs> no well, that, I'm not saying that either because I have a beard. Just yeah, pure facts. <laughs> so as we wrap up the podcast, the other big news from this week was the selection of Team Giannis and Team LeBron. What um, once again, Kenny? I'm not. I don't think we needed to go away from the East and the West format. I don't think that was the problem with the All Star Game, but it is what it is, and that's mm. what we've got. Um, the team LeBron, the starters are Durant, LeBron, of course, Kawhi Leonard, Harden, and Irving. So not a center in sight. Uh, on Giannis, the starters are Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, naturally, Paul George, Stephen Curry, Kemba Walker, uh, reserves for LeBron, Anthony Davis. Gee, funny about that, isn't it? <laughs> he's picking all the players yeah. that he's been linked to. Uh, Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, Ben Simmons. We've got the first Aussie All-Star, Aussie born and Aussie raised All-Star. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, Carl Anthony Towns, Bradley Beal, and Dwayne Wade. We would have thought that uh, LeBron would have picked Wade after all. And Giannis, uh, his reserves, Middleton, Jokic, uh, Westbrook, Griffin, Blake Griffin, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Nikola Vucevic, Kyle Lowry, and Dirk Nowitzki. And I think, uh, was there a trade that Westbrook got traded? At some... Oh yeah, Ben Simmons was traded to Westbrook LeBron. Westbrook got yeah. traded for Ben Simmons, That's yeah. That's right, yeah. So they're doing that as well. So those are the, the lineups. Um so what do you? I mean, it's a pretty good mix. It should hopefully be a decent game. Last year's wasn't too bad. 
Uh, what do you think of the lineups? And, and also, I, you know, Ben and I touched on it last week. What do you think of the whole Dirk and uh, and Wade being put on there as special edition? I mean, I think that's fine. I mean, Wade should have been a starter, but you know, that's a whole other discussion. Um, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows how I feel about that whole schmozzle. Yep. Um, but I mean, low key, LeBron has a really stacked squad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I don't make it like a habit of dunking on Ronnie, but that was like a really, really kind of, I don't know. I had to kind of point out that it's an all-star game. Both the stock squads are stacked. So, yeah, I just... <laughs> it's, yeah, it's kind of a... Oh, my God. Well, you know, people will actually have a chance to dunk on Ronnie because Ronnie will be playing in the celebrity game. <laughs> yes, he will be. Um I, I think that's more interesting than the actual All-Star game at this point because I do want to see how he actually plays. You know, I'm going to have to Whether watch Whether he actually yeah, is, like, any good. I'm going to have to watch it just to see it. Yeah. It's so strange, like, the most interesting part of the All-Star weekend is seeing Ronnie play at the celebrity game. Let's see if he gets dunked on <laughs> Somebody in the, tell in the game. Somebody tell me that. Yeah. He gets dunked on in the oh, game okay. and dunked on... The, then he'll get dunked on on Twitter as well, so that might be... I mean, he's always getting dunked on on Twitter, but I personally just don't do it very much so what are they going to say then fix your jump shot ronnie or something like that instead of the service <laughs> well his jump shot is available in 2k and uh i mean i can't i'm not one to talk because i've got a pretty ugly jump shot myself but needless to say i won't be equipping his anytime soon one of four players in the celebrity game not to have a wikipedia page sorry ronnie um <laughs> yeah, so also weekend coming up and it's I think they've also announced the uh, the Rising Stars Challenge, of course. Uh, the Skills Challenge has been set. Uh, Mike Conley, Luka Doncic, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Nikola Jokic, Kyle Kuzma, Jason Tatum, uh, Nikola Vujovic, and uh, Trey Young. Uh, so, yeah, you chance for uh, for Jokic to go for the not only an All-Star this year, but also in the Skills Challenge. Yeah, it's great to see. Um, I'll probably be going for Trey Young in that, if I'm completely honest, though. I mean, you've got to stick with the last name, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm guessing that Valor is going to be going for Don- Doncic. Uh, it's a, yeah. a wild guess of mine. Um, and and from- if, if Trey Young beats Doncic in that, I'm going to be like, see, Trey Young was the better one in that <laughs> trade. You, you are going to be uh, just unbearable to, to Valor <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter and on our, uh, our Pro-Am chats. Uh, three-point contest, uh, Devin Booker, Seth Curry, Steph Curry. So the two Currys in the three-point contest this year. Wouldn't that be a fun final round? The two Currys and maybe Booker as well. Uh, Danny Green, Joe Harris, Buddy Heald, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, Dirk Nowitzki's been added in there, and Kemba Walker. Uh, who would be your pick out of those lot? I mean, for sentimental reasons, I want it to be Dirk, but um, I'll go with Dirk. Why not? That'd be pretty cool if he needs that one last shot and he walks off with doing the Larry Bird. Yeah. In the finger in the air. And the dunk contest is uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is back. Also, John Collins of the Hawks, Miles Bridges of the Hornets. Uh, Hamidou Diallo for the Thunder. I'm not familiar with him, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, so that's not a lot of star power in the dunk contest this year. Yeah, I think the dunk contest is kind of not really the the stars contest that it used to be. Like, I mean, players like Jordan and, you know, Dominique Wilkins and player of those ilk were kind of... Uh, competing yesteryear um so it seems kind of more of a contest now for uh role players and bit players to kind of 
show what they've got that they don't usually get to show off during the game. But um, kind of like the mid. I will go for. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I'll go for miles bridges, or as he would be in metric kilometers bridges. <laughs> I'll I'll go for Dennis Smith Jr. I reckon he'll uh, he'll take it out this year because he he I thought he got robbed in a couple of dunks last year. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Robberies happen all the time in dunk contests in the last 10 years. So Absolutely. Yeah. So the All-Star fields are, are set. There should hopefully be a, a fun event. I think I've gotten to the point where I'm trying not to take it as seriously, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll be fun. I'll tune in and I'll check it out. Um, I mean, I probably won't be watching, but uh, yeah, hope it's a hope it's a good showing for everybody. And uh, I mean, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll just move on. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's uh, we're we're old heads and we're old and bitter and it's not like it used to be. So <laughs> that, yeah. being, that, that being said, if they can get the All Star Weekend mode back in live and in two K, I'm all before it. So that has brought us to the end of episode number two hundred and seventy four of the NLC podcast. We thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we encourage you to listen each, each and every week here on the NLSC. You can also find us on iTunes and various podcatching apps such as Stitcher and Podcast Addict. You can connect with us on social media. We're on Twitter, at the NLSC. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash the NLSC. We're on Instagram, NLSC Basketball. And of course, give it luck to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that is it for this week. Thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Kenny. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>